Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. And welcome to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 165 of Twin Sons Transmission. And uh, today we're going to be talking a lot on Star Wars, the Clone Wars. We get a new episode every week, Jesse. And uh, I'm very happy that, you know, knowing such a big fan of the Clone Wars that you are, I'm happy that uh, we can discuss it every week together. I know. It's been so much fun. I love deep diving into Star Wars always, but the Clone Wars is a special place in my heart, so it's really cool to get to be podcasting at a time where we are getting new Clone Wars. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, we are going to be talking, like I said, about uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. We're going to be discussing Deal No Deal and the... Uh, the next episode, which is Dangerous Debt. So those are, I believe, episodes 6 and 7 of Clone Wars Season 7. So uh, unfortunately, we're getting close to getting toward the end, which is not exciting. But I'm loving the story so far. Uh, before we get into that, we do have a couple pieces of news that we kind of want to just uh, talk about real quick. And then after we talk about uh, the Clone Wars, we'll do uh, a quick discussion on some of the behind-the-scenes uh, content that we got from the Rise of Skywalker, which was very exciting. Sadly, you know, I know Jesse, we talked a lot last time about uh, the coronavirus and us being in quarantine and having that uh, uh, shelter in place order from the governor uh, here in Illinois. Um, you know, with the coronavirus sort of still at large outside. Um, you know, it's one thing that is, should be taken seriously by every single person on the earth. You know, this is a worldwide pandemic that has affected a lot of people. And, uh, the most, uh, recent Star Wars, uh, family member, um, that was, you know, in the movies, his name was Andrew Jack. He passed away from, uh, COVID-19 this past week and, uh, it's always rough. It's always rough seeing Star Wars members of the Star Wars community pass on. It's rough with uh, you know some of the older members of our community, and it, it can affect everybody. It, you know, we've seen we've seen some of the younger um, people get affected pretty badly, uh, some fatally with uh, COVID nineteen, and and uh, I was really saddened to see that Andrew Jack had passed away. I guess he was a dialect coach as well. And, um, yeah, I never, I never got the pleasure of meeting him, but I do have one of the autographs. He played, uh, Major Imat in, uh, The Force Awakens, and also we see him in The Last Jedi as well. He's sort of, uh, that, uh, I don't know if he got promoted between Episode 7 and 8. I don't know if he was a general or if he was still a major, but, um, he's the guy, when you see all the, 
resistance members in the trenches on crate. He's the one standing on top of uh, the surface, the terrain, uh, with his binoculars looking out to see that, uh, you know, the First Order kind of coming. So it's really sad having him leave us. Uh, it can infect, you know, any one of us. So everybody just stay safe and stay inside. Yeah. All right, on a happier note, uh, we'll just kind of brush over this pretty quickly. If you are a Star Wars collector, this past week was great. On March 31st was uh, Star Wars Fan Appreciation Day, and Hasbro teamed up with a lot of fan sites in the community to uh, announce the release of some upcoming Star Wars merchandise. So we're getting the uh, carbonized Mandalorian, or I'm sorry, carbonized Boba Fett and carbonized Stormtrooper. We're also getting the Mandalorian Black Series figure with his full Beskar armor. We're getting another Vader, and we're also getting Tebow, the Ewok, one of the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi, which is pretty cool, and all these are six-inch figures. Um, Diamond Select Toys also uh, showed us the first look of the 332nd uh, Clone Trooper bust, which is really exciting, and that is the bust with uh, the Ahsoka markings on it. And this one is going to be super popular. It's limited to only 500 pieces. And um, I think it comes with like six different um, like body parts you can interchange to give him multiple poses. So uh, it's very cool. Very, very sleek looking. With this particular thing, they are opening it up to uh, Premier Guild members first. So if you're uh, a general giant Premier Guild member... And Diamond Select Toys now owns Gentle Giant. So um, you pay, I think it's like 50 bucks or something like that. And you get like discounts on certain things and you get early access to certain things. Um, and there are different levels of being a Premier Guild member. So if you want to like, I think I have the cheapest one, but you could pay, you know, more money. So it just allows you access, early access to certain things. And so I know for Premier Guild members, um, this will open up on April 7th to order the 332nd clone bust. I don't know when they're going to open it up to people who aren't Premier Gun members. <laughs> yeah. Do you know if the being a Diamond Select Club member, if like there's 500 mm -hmm. of those people and they all order it, like is that just it? Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Unless Diamond will only have a certain amount allotted for Premier Guild members and then a certain amount allotted for other people. Sometimes they'll do that. But, like, for example, you know, there are benefits to, a lot of benefits to this, like the, the Harris and Dula Gentle Giant minibust that was a convention exclusive for this past Star Wars celebration. They sold it just recently. It was It's been sold out for a long time, and they had more left uh, somehow. I don't know if... They were saving some for a later release or what, but I was able to get one like this past week. It showed up today, actually, which is pretty awesome. After it was previously sold out, they, they opened it up for Premier Guild members, which is cool. And that one, I think there's 750 for the edition oh, wow. size. So there's 250 more of that one than there will be for this clone. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's my dream is to have at least one of these busts. And I've been like very, I, I look at yours a lot. I think they're all so gorgeous. And the Ahsoka one that they're coming out with, and I think this 332nd bust, like if I could get those two things in my life, like that would be it. I don't need another single collectory thing <laughs> ever. Like those are gorgeous. I'll have them. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's go ahead and talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars. We'll go into our first episode, Deal No Deal. And this is a continuation of um, the episode before that, which was Gone with a Trace. And so we continue on our story with Ahsoka in the, the lower levels of Coruscant, navigating through the... Um, you know, all the troubles that she finds down there with the Martez sisters. And Jesse, as I was watching these most two recent episodes of The Clone Wars, I felt like we'll probably have a lot more to say in our conversations about Rafa, considering your opinions on her from last week (laughs) or last episode. So before we get into that, though, what do you think of Deal No Deal as an episode? I thought this was a great episode i'm super excited to see kessel and to see a different side of kessel that we've never seen before mm-hmm. um and we got a lot more rafa which you know i love so <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a good episode yeah one of the biggest things that you know i think this is now the second episode in a row where we've seen ahsoka sort of give a nod to anakin and just appreciate that mm-hmm. she learned so much from him. In the previous episode, Gone with a Trace, when Trace asked her where she learned how to fight, she said her older brother taught her, kind of referring to Anakin there. And in this one, um, you know, she is a great mechanic. She's worked on starships before, and Trace asked her how she learned how to do that, and she said that she went to the Skywalker Academy. Yeah. Um, so another nod to Anakin there. You know, that was super sweet. It made me happy that she chose his name to call it that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Ahsoka's learning how lucky she was, you know, like she's asking Trace, like, well, what do you mean you never thought you could get into an academy? And Trace is like, well, there's not even any down here. <laughs> like, she's learning just how lucky she was to be, like, picked up by the Jedi and to have all that privilege. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you are lucky when you're topside and a Jedi and you have access to nice food and big halls and starships right. and... Education, everything. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, we get a little bit more information in this episode uh, as far as the Martez sisters' parents. Um, Trace says that her parents split, um, and uh, Rafa and Trace inherited the hangar after their parents split. Um, We'll talk a little bit about this once we get to the next episode. But I think this Rafa, I'm I'm still confused on this Rafa-Trace dynamic. Because you see that Rafa really wants to do what's best financially and to provide for her and Trace. But she constantly seems like she lies. She puts her in like all these terrible positions. And I just don't know if I really see Rafa's true like caring nature for her sister, you know? I feel like you get a bit more of that. In the next episode, I had a lot more to, to... Well, I took a lot more notes on Rafa in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just adamantly feel that she just doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. You know? Like, it, she, she constantly is telling Ahsoka, like, you just got here. Like, what do you know? And Ahsoka knows a lot. And 
that is evident throughout both of these episodes. They keep just looking at Ahsoka and being like, how do you know all of this? She doesn't know what it's like, like we were just talking about, to, to live a life without privilege. And like, yeah, I'm sure there are ways that Rafa could have figured out that were more noble and more ethical, but I mean, she's doing the best she can and, and it's not definitely not the right path. And maybe they need Ahsoka to to set them back on a path. Like I feel like Ahsoka, these episodes is just her kind of like working through ways to like help them do what they're doing, but in a more ethical manner. And she's finding that difficult even herself. Um, I don't know. I just think I think Rafa just doesn't know what else to do. She even says in this episode, "We can't pay off debt with your morality." Talking to Ahsoka. Like yeah. she just hasn't, she, this is what she's doing. This is, this is what she's figured out to, to survive. I think Ahsoka's beginning to change a little bit too. And I have uh, a couple things to say about that once we start talking about Kessel. But one thing I want to talk about, or at least mention before we get there is, I don't know if you picked up on this or if it was just me, but it definitely seemed like they were referencing Return of the Jedi when they were trying to leave Coruscant. And they're in their, you know, the Silver Angel, and um, they're having trouble getting out of the military lane or whatever. And we have Yularen like, oh, it's just, you know, new pilots or whatever. And Anakin walks over and he's like, what's going on here? And it was, it very much had that like Return of the Jedi um, vibe to me when um, Luke and Han and Leia are all trying to get to Endor in the stolen Imperial shuttle. And Vader, Vader goes over and he's like, What's going on here? Like, where's that shuttle going? Looks off into the distance. And, uh, you know, Piet's like, Should I hold them? And Vader's like, No. You know, same thing that happened in this episode with Admiral Yularen, like, do you, do you want me to stop him, sir? And, and Annika's like, no. Like, very, very much uh, mirrored Return of the Jedi. Oh my gosh, I love that. I did not recognize that. Yeah. It was... But it's, it's in this, epi- in this, I was going to say in this episode, I mean, it's still an episode, but not in the same context. But anyways, it's his connection to Ahsoka this time, though, yep. instead of his connection to Luke, mm-hmm. that he stops them from getting into trouble, even though Vader wasn't probably in that type of mindset quite yet um, with Luke. But it's, it's yeah, it's it was that connection instead for Ahsoka. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's start talking about Kessel. Um, I love seeing Kessel in this episode. It was it was it was great to kind of go back to that planet. And now that we've seen Solo, we know that the Pikes are you know kind of have dealings with um, the spice on Kessel and everything that we see from Solo. Here's a question: Do you think that Rafa, or maybe she didn't care, but do you think that she knew that what the spice was going to be used for probably was not something? that was a, you know, ethical decision. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she I'm sure she knew. Um I I'm, I'm sure in the back of her mind she was you know kind of telling herself maybe and for maybe for Trace's sake she could have just been saying it for Trace's sake like you know, oh, hey, this can be turned into medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Rafa's, you know, that kind of person that wouldn't necessarily, you know, care about that. We've seen her 
you know, do all these shady deals. So I can't imagine her doing this altruistically. Yeah. I really, I just, I don't, I don't know if I like Rafa, like with, with everything that she knows. And I know that she's trying to, to, you know, provide for her sister, but she, you know, even Trace was like, I'm your backup plan in this. And, and maybe that's a good thing, like to defend Rafa saying like, she didn't want her sister to be put in danger, but ultimately she felt like she was going to put her sister in danger to deal with these crime lords to try and do this you know unethical exchange for spice dealing with the galactic as ahsoka says galactic crime lords Mm -hmm. with which are the pikes that will take their ship steal their spice and you know imprison them and and do whatever it's like worse than the huts it seems like you know but also i mean although i won't I mean, I love Rafa in, like, a Ventress kind of way right now, you know, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's, like, she's fun because she's bad and, and she's, like, figuring herself out. Yeah, like, her, I don't love her her morals. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and I also, I don't think she fully knows the extent of the Pikes like Ahsoka does. Like, they both kind of seem surprised the more Ahsoka is, like, you guys do, do realize that, like, this is really, really bad. Like, I think even Rafa was a little bit surprised by that. I, I know Rafa knows they're, like, gangsters and, like, they're bad. And, you know, it's it's a bad crowd to mix with. But I don't think she realizes just how serious and just how dangerous it is. She knew it was dangerous because she tried to not involve her sister. But I don't think she ever imagined that it could have gone this horribly wrong. And And if Ahsoka wasn't there... It might not have, because really it's kind of, if you really think about it, Ahsoka's fault that this all came crumbling down on them, because she's questioning Rafa's morals, which Trace might not necessarily have been doing if Ahsoka wasn't there. I just don't know. I mean, yeah, I 100% agree with you, the fact that Ahsoka was questioning Rafa's morals, and therefore, you know, things went kind of haywire, but... If you look at the way that Trace was acting throughout this whole thing, she was just doing things because Rafa said to do them. And it seemed Mm -hmm. like she didn't really care about anything else other than her ship. Like, that was the only thing that mattered. That was the only thing that mattered to her. Very childish. Very naive, yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, facepalm with Trace and her actions. But I think anytime you get... You know, it's kind of like uh, what what Beckett says. Once you start down this path, you're in this life for good or, you know, whatever. It, once you start dealing with the pikes and dealing with these crime syndicates and, you know, dumping spice and, and all that stuff. It's just, I, I feel like they need to get out of this life quick, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that really kind of surprised me was uh, Ahsoka willing to essentially mind trick pikes to get out of their situation and to me it didn't seem like that was something you know granted she's not a jedi anymore but that's i feel like that was a big step for her to kind of do that jedi mind trick and in the way that she did it you know because typically as a jedi if you were caught in a situation where you owed people something you wouldn't just mind trick to get out of it 
you know, you right. figure out another way. Like if you're a Sith, you take someone down or maybe you try to, you know, manipulate their mind to, to let you walk away without, you know, paying your debt or whatever. But it was a, a very non-Jedi thing to do to just like mind trick somebody into thinking that they're getting what they were owed and, you know, trying to escape. Yeah, I mean, she's no Jedi. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think she's just trying to find the most, like, inconspicuous way to just get out of it quickly. Because I don't, I don't really see, I mean, we still don't really see how they're going to get out of it at this point after, spoiler alert, after two episodes. So I think she was just trying to very quickly come up with the first thing she could think of. And, and yeah, she that was, she's kind of like stooping down a little bit, I guess, to to Rafa's side of things to just kind of trick their way out of it. Yeah, that was, I think that was the biggest thing that I, I kind of noticed from Ahsoka and her, I guess, growth, or at least her changing, um, adapting to situations and stuff like that. But I mean, maybe that's going to be the kind of thing where they're going to find a bit of a balance in this, where Ahsoka's going to realize that just coming down into you know, this underworld and being all goody goody and doing things the right way. Like maybe there is just no place for that down there or very, very little place or very small niche. And it's not going to work most of the time to, to be goody to choose Jedi down there. And she's going to have to probably adapt into some of these ways of Rafa. But I think she's going to being Ahsoka, find the balance in it all and find a way to, to do good in yeah like as she always does i don't want people to forget that she was anakin's apprentice and obviously anakin is is not the character that we you know this perfect jedi that like always does things by the book and you know never physically harms people in order to get information or or whatever but typically in the past when we've seen ahsoka come across characters like that where anakin you know he puts a lightsaber to the zygerian slaver's throat it's ahsoka that says master it's not the jedi way and you know things like that and even um when anakin's chasing cad bane after the holocrons and stuff like that in season two ahsoka's the one that says master patience patience and he's like you're right let's go and even Khalifa, right? She was force choking that Trandoshan in season three. And Ahsoka's like, Khalifa, don't. It's not the Jedi way. Like, Ahsoka's always been there to be like, do things like a Jedi, you know? And here she is mind tricking to get away from crime syndicates. So I just or found it could, interesting. You could take that same thing and say that she is the one that always brings people into balance. So she's not necessarily all about it being necessarily, you know, the Jedi way technically, but just bringing that energy back down and being like, you're taking it too far. Like she's always a that person. Mm -hmm. All right, let's start talking about the next episode, Dangerous Debt. And this one I thought was really interesting. I loved going to, um, you know, getting more of Obadiah. I think the Pikes are very interesting. And now we get to see some of the cells that they they have there. Um, obviously, we've seen Silman imprisoned um, on Obadiah for a while. Uh, we saw him in season six. But now we get to see more of the Pike stronghold and uh, life on Obadiah. 
what do you think? And I think this is uh, something I definitely want to spend a little bit of time on uh, with Rafa's story on their viewpoints on the Jedi and what happened to their parents. I thought this was pretty crushing. I feel like it just made me think about how, I mean, Ahsoka's been, you know, uh, she keeps using the force kind of like right behind the eye line of these two characters. And, um, she's kind of been hinting that she's going to tell them that she's a Jedi, but she just isn't ready to yet. Um, and I feel like now she's going to be more hesitant than ever because it seems like Trace would be like crushed to find out at this point that Ahsoka is a Jedi. Because even like she says, I don't, the exchange goes something like, they're like, oh, what are you, a Jedi? And she's like, what if I was? And Trace is like, don't even joke about that. Like, like she would be so upset to find out that Ahsoka was a Jedi. They just see them as people who don't care about the little guy you know yeah but do you think that their hatred or you know they 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 refer to not only just the jedi but the people topside you know um Mm -hmm. do you think that that's warranted like their dislike for them from their point of view i think it is um to have them be something that's not always visible to them. They, they've also, they've mentioned that they, you know, they don't ever, they don't really know what they do. They don't really see them all the time. And now this is the one instance where they had a physical run in with Jedi and their parents die from a direct action of the Jedi. And then what sounds like Luminara was who I think they're alluding to. Um, green skin. Yeah. With the I don't know. Piercing eyes. I, 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 I'm, I'm picturing Luminara in my head. It could be someone else. Um, but they said to them, oh, I just, I had to make a choice. Um, but the force will be with you. Don't worry. Like to hear that as a kid and like not be raised with the force until like your parents die and someone says that to you and then leaves you to fend for yourself. Like that would leave you with a pretty sour taste in your mouth for and that's your representation that is what you've seen of the jedi and it would be easy to project that that is just what they're all about it's very like i did what i thought was best and hands off and good luck to you it was another way to say that quote i don't know i'm torn because on one end and this is just like, if I didn't know anything about the Jedi, I might be a little bit more torn. But knowing that they're the peacekeepers and stuff like that of the galaxy and they do their best to save everybody. Right. Um, you know, and and it's just inherently in your brain knowing who the Jedi are. And so you have to take mm-hmm. that out to sort of look at this from, like, a, you know, bird's eye view of what happened in the, in the situation. But, like, the first time I watched it, I'm not going to lie, I was like, that's stupid. Why are you upset at the Jedi for that? Because if you think about it, think about in a real world situation. If you saw, like, this bank robber running down the street with, you know, like, like bodyguards and, you know, in, in, like, with blasters and guns and stuff and you knew this was a prison break and you saw police officers running down the street to try to save them, but, you know, the big SWAT car was heading for like a group of people. And in order to save that group of people, the SWAT car turned and hit a building. Like what else are you supposed to do? You know, I mean, the, they were doing what they thought would save the most lives. 
It's not like they killed their parents on purpose. It's not like they, you know, knew what that they were going to take people away or or anything. But they were they did what they felt like they would be able to do to save the most lives. And then they didn't have to say anything. They didn't have to go to the family. They didn't have to go, you know, to the kids, to Rafa or to Trace. But whoever this is, if it was Luminara, did and say, you know, she said, I did what I felt was the best thing. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Right. It definitely doesn't make them villains by any means. But I think from a young child's perspective, I mean, to like they're very young now, like probably Rafa's like maybe 20, if I'm guessing. And um, Trace is what, 15? Probably. And this is just like me there, throwing yeah. out numbers. Yeah, because Ahsoka's around in between that I think as well um at this point I don't know for sure to be honest with you to and now that's like another you know the whole zero thing a lot of that was happening season late season one early season two Mm -hmm. so that's like four five years ago six years ago potentially that this went down no because the clone wars only last three years so this was I guess I'm thinking of each year as a season yeah (laughs) So, okay, so the Clone Wars only lasts three years. So, so say this is, okay, so it's only a, a year or two ago it's, then, probably. Yeah, probably two to two and a half years ago. Okay, so. Because I think we're getting real close Rafa, to episode three. I mean, that still makes Rafa a teenager, probably, at the point that this happened. And I don't know. I just, I don't blame them for feeling that way. Um, I mean, there's. A point if you look at you know a singular policeman making a, a actual mistake or you know like not to get tragic but like when cops like purpose like shoot down the wrong guy you know or mistake somebody for I know it's not the same situation but like in instances when the police you know if we're using that comparison do make the wrong decision and do take out the wrong person or mistake somebody for somebody else and and lives get cost in those situations they do tend to get villainized especially Mm -hmm. by the people that are um directly affected by them the family members the the community and there is a sense in some areas of the world and and if you're also going to make that comparison this we're talking about the underworld here which is very um, similar to poverty-stricken areas in our very real world. And in a lot of those areas, sometimes the police are looked at as the bad guys. Yeah. It, you ju- it's, just a, it's just a certain point of view. Um, which is very Obi-Wan Kenobi. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just think that that's, that's what this boils down to, is in, in their eyes and their experiences, they only have had negative experiences with the Jedi. Yeah. I just don't know, like, from Luminara, if it was Luminara's perspective or whoever, if they made the wrong choice. I don't think they did. Like, to save the majority. Yeah, no. No, they probably didn't. What would be better for the Republic to have done was somehow compensate, you know, for loss of parents or something. Right, Um, not just leave these kids on the street. Yeah. I think that definitely would have been something to to do, but who knows? 
too much money being spent on uh, you know the production of more clones mm-hmm. and being bankrupted by the banks. So, yep. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about Ahsoka and her. You know, this is kind of going off the same subject, but like knowing the way that Rafa and Trace view the Jedi. Um, it seems like to me that the longer Ahsoka keeps it a secret that she has the force, the worse it's going to get, you know? Yeah. Because she keeps saying, oh, I'm more athletic than I look, or, you know, (laughs) oh, there was just a power outage and now the door's open. Let's go, you know? I know. And they're so, like, naive to it, too. Like, they're just like... Oh, all right, great. We are so lucky that there was a power outage. <laughs> Look at us go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Trace is going to definitely, I mean, I almost sense like a little bit of Ahsoka maybe becoming closer, you know, with Rafa. Maybe she'll tone her down a little bit and kind of understand her way of thinking and then also getting to a point where Trace feels betrayed by her. Um that's what I. That's what it seems like we're foreshadowing, foreshadowing towards at least to me. Yeah. Well, I really hope Ahsoka makes the right decision. I feel like she either needs to keep it a secret forever, you know, don't let them know at all, mm-hmm. or, and maybe that's what she's trying to do. Maybe she's literally trying to get out of this job, out of this mission, and do everything without ever letting them in on the secret. But when you Jedi mind trick crime bosses and you you know force jump over a huge bridge and conveniently these you know pikes just randomly get like thrown out into the you know into the open for you to blast like you know something something has to click with these with these characters and and hopefully she's doesn't get too reckless with her force abilities but knowing ahsoka i feel like she's just so honest that she will come out and say it at some point I think she will, and I think Trace is going to get upset, but I I do think that because all the talk of, of that story that they told and they started talking about their mother a little bit and um, how their mother always believed in helping others, and, and then Rafa says something again like uh, later in the episode that Ahsoka sounds like somebody she once knew, most likely referencing to her mother. Um, I feel like that is kind of why they feel so like attracted and like um, pulled towards Ahsoka to like keep, I mean, at least Trace is feeling that pull to keep Ahsoka in her life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that like they she reminds them of, of her mother and I feel like Ahsoka in that way is gonna be able to help these girls find a better path. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The Mandalorians made an appearance in this episode, yes. and that was very exciting. Um, I, as soon as I saw the costume, as soon as I saw you know the helmet, the night owl helmet, I was like, "Oh, is that Bo?" And then she started talking. I was like, "Yep, yeah. that is Bo Katan. Yep. That's awesome." Hundred percent. So. Yep. They're on a mission with the Pikes, I guess. Well, here's here's my thing. So they said, is that the Jedi that I met on Karlak? I don't know if it is. You know, I think one of the other ones might have said, oh, well, she's our enemy then or something. And then she says, yeah, but I think Bo says we have the same enemies and they're here for a mission. So they have a mission mm-hmm. and I think the Pikes are their enemies, right? 
Yeah, I think yeah. the pikes are their common enemy. Yeah. So perhaps Soka and Rafa and Trace will team up with Bo-Katan to eliminate some of the pike threat. Now, what do you think? I mean, it's just speculation now, uh, but what do you think Bo-Katan, uh, you know, what would she be after the pikes for? Well, Maul gets pretty mixed up with the pikes at one point, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And gets them involved in Mandalore's affair along with other crime syndicates. So yeah. maybe she's kind of after them to find ways to take back Mandalore. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I thought it was interesting, too, that the Mandalorians were trying to stay out of, uh, out of plain sight, right? They had, like, the cloaks yeah. on and everything. And that's not something that we've really seen the Mandalorians do before. Like if, you know, we, we know that they're in hiding after the fall of the Empire in uh, the Mandalorian show. But this is the time of the Clone Wars. You know, maybe maybe they're trying to stay hidden because the Pikes uh, have partial control over Mandalore. I don't know. but Yeah, and I'm sure there's a pretty big target on specifically Bo-Katan's head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for denying, you know, the the now current government of of Mandalore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm assuming that the Pikes are still pretty involved in the Mandalore plotline, and and yeah, they. I mean, they looked the the hoods almost made them look like Pikes in a weird way. It, like gave them the silhouette of the Pikes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if that's just me, um, but they looked really cool. No, I agree. I think I didn't notice that until you said something, but it's sort of like that roundish, you know, shape when you look at their heads from the back and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any final thoughts on Dangerous Debt? I feel like this is really getting us close to things that we've seen in the trailer because um, we know Ahsoka and Bo-Katan get together at some point because we've seen them together already in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel like especially the way this episode leaves off with them basically being exactly where they started at the beginning of the episode, they've, you know, even with Ahsoka's force abilities, even though she's been very discreet with them and hasn't been probably using them to, you know, the full extent that she's capable of since she's trying to hide them, yeah. um, that's not enough to escape. So I feel like they need someone else to step in or they need a different angle to happen. And I feel like Bo-Katan and those uh, Mandos she brought along could be um, their escape from the Pikes. I don't know. And they know Ahsoka is a Jedi. So if they go in and break them out and say, hey, yeah, we needed a Jedi, maybe that, maybe Bo-Katan is, you know, the one that's going to spill the beans to the Martez sisters about Ahsoka's you know, true identity. Yep. So, all right. Well, that was fun talking about uh, the most recent episodes of Clone Wars, and we'll be back. Obviously, there's more episodes to this season, so we'll be talking about them as we continue on with Twin Suns Transmission. Um, But let's spend a little bit of time before we go here talking a little bit about some of the -the behind-the-scenes features of The Rise of Skywalker, which came out on... DVD and Blu-ray on March 31st, and I was so excited to go to the stores, and, and, you know, this year was a little different because of coronavirus, so most of the stuff that I got, I ordered and had it shipped to my house, but I did go to Best Buy, and they had the curbside pickup, which was really convenient and really nice, Um, 
And so, yeah, I've got my pile of various copies of the film. Um, nice. Yeah, and very excited about that. But what was your favorite segment? Which one do you like the best? Uh, I I really loved seeing um, Warwick Davis yeah. and his son. That made me really happy to just see his timeline of, of all the characters that he's played and, and how much he loves it. I mean, it, that's always really apparent every time you hear Warwick Davis talk of how much he loves being a part of Star Wars. But I think it's really cute that he kind of got his own little segment because he is he's, he's just as important as like it you know as 3PO is in every single movie so is Warwick Davis but just in different roles it's it's pretty unique to a series I think I definitely enjoyed that segment as well and I think there's something in my notes that I actually wrote down with that one that there was a line that um I actually oh um, he said, it makes me smile when I think about Star Wars. And literally, as mm. we were watching that, I was like, me too, Warwick. Me too. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and it's cool that he got to share that with his son. And, and mm-hmm. his son kind of got to like, kind of start his acting journey in the exact same way that Warwick did. So yeah, that was cool. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just kind of go through each segment and tell you what happened because I feel like that's why you buy the the DVD with the bonus features. You know, you should right. watch these on your own and and experience everything on your own. But I will say, I really enjoyed all of the footage from back in the '70s and '80s. You know, they showed yes. us a lot of footage that I've never seen before, and I've been watching a lot of these behind the scenes discs since you know I was five. Um, you know, once DVDs, once DVDs were a thing and they could put extra stuff on, on the content like that, I've, I've right. watched that all the time. And I, some of this footage I've never seen before. So, yeah, no, it was gorgeous, especially in that long documentary um, where they just kept kind of going back and forth and it kind of was showing you how, you know, the final series imitate not I don't want to say imitated uh mirrored the original and it just went back and forth and there's so many things that it opened my eyes to intentions to the story that I don't think I ever thought about before in in a lot of in a lot of ways so I thought it was really interesting and um and a really good insight yeah I think one of the most interesting things to me was watching the stunts and watching Eunice, the yeah. like the stunt coordinator, um, deal with uh, you know her do do her job, you know even behind the camera she was like, you know bending down pretending she was the the stunt actor, you know just like yes. doing facial expressions and stuff, and even hearing about her conversation with you know Adam. Like telling Adam to like do something, he's like, "No, Kylo Ren wouldn't do that." You know? <laughs> yeah, no, she was really cool. She was fun to see, and you can see throughout the entire documentary, she was just like always there, always in the background. Yeah, like making crazy movements, and she's cool. Yeah, what a cool job! I know. So every single job, every time they showed somebody's job, I was like, "Whoa, I want to be that person." Whoa, I want to be that person. I know. Um, it's cool. Yeah. 
I think another one of my favorite segments was the Maestros finale. And um, I don't know if you watched this one, but this one was a uh, digital exclusive. So um, it took me a while to figure this out. And Jesse, you could probably do this too if you haven't already. But when you get digital codes, you open it up and there's, you know, your, your DVD case and you have the digital code there. And typically, I don't really care about digital codes, but they all go through Movies Anywhere, the Movies Anywhere app. And I have that on my phone and you can, you know, create an account and mm-hmm. log in and put your codes in there and then everything shows up. Um, but I was like, how do I get Movies Anywhere on my Xbox? Because I don't want to watch this, you know, probably epic <laughs> thing with John Williams on my phone. You know, I want to watch it right. on the big screen with like good sound. And so I realized that if you just go, if you already have a Movies Anywhere account, um, somehow my Microsoft account that I use for my Xbox is connected to that. And so I went to Movies oh. and TV. There's a Movies and TV app on the Xbox that just comes with it. And if you go over to purchased, it's like another tab. You hit, you know, right click or, you know, your little right trigger button. It'll go over to purchase, and then there was all my movies that I had put in my digital codes for, and um, it has all the behind-the-scenes features and all that stuff that you get with the discs. So I was able to watch the Maestro's, uh, the Maestro's finale on my Xbox without my disc. So okay, yes, yeah, so I haven't done it yet. So it was not a my TV app, like a separate app. It's just within. Yeah, the like Xbox app. Yeah, like if you search movies anywhere in the App Store on the Xbox dashboard, nothing shows up. So if you go to like movies and TV, and if you have a movies anywhere app, and you know somehow it's connected to your, you know Microsoft, your Microsoft account, it'll pop up. So I don't I don't remember syncing them together or how it works, but somehow it knew my account (laughs) so (laughs) yeah but and maybe maybe it'll ask you like if you go to like movies and tv maybe it'll ask you if you have like a movies anywhere account or whatever i don't know this whole segment with john williams i mean it was fantastic like music brings so much to film and just listening to John Williams say, okay, we're going to be, we're, you know, we're going to end now with where we first started back in, you know, 1976. And then they play like the main theme and like literally just the hairs on the back of your neck just stand up, you know, and like your whole body just is like excited and you want to cry, you know, because right. it brings you back to what Star Wars is really about. And, you know, just that excitement. And, and, um, he goes on and talks about, how you want to keep, you know, the themes like Ray's theme, and how have that evolve with Ray. So as Ray continues to mature, so does her theme. So the actual theme itself sounds similar, but it changes. And it's the same thing with Kylo's. It'll have the Kylo theme, but then once you get to Ben Solo, same theme, just a little bit different, more heroic. And um, yeah, I highly recommend trying to find uh, that segment if you haven't seen it. It's so easy to overlook music because it's just so. It just puts you in the world in a way that you're not always paying attention to it. And I, I love things like that where they dive in and you start to really listen and get to understand the choices that were made. And it's it's like it's not just background music. It is like 
it's storytelling by itself. Like, I don't know. It's 100%. Yeah, totally agree. Another thing, uh, another highlight of mine from these behind the scenes was watching um, how many people are actually involved in this. And if you think about like the pod racer um, arena, right? The crowd watching the pod racer. I remember mm-hmm. watching that um, for like the arena and they probably would do something like this too for, um, you know, even today's films. But like all those people in the arena were like little like Q-tips that were painted different colors oh. and they, they like, wave. <laughs> I remember watching that and I was like, okay, so a lot of times if you have like big giant groups of people, you know, not all of them are real or some of them are CG and even looking at like, you know, episode three when they're in the hangars and you've got like, you know, Cody in the clones, like all those clones that are walking in the background, those are all CG. And then you go to this and you have the Festival of Ancestors with all those Aki Aki people dancing around. Those are legit all people in costumes that had learned that dance. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. It is. It just, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be an actor in that. Because I feel like in these, in this day and age, your 90% of your life is in front of a green screen in a studio. And you're just like imagining what the heck crazy scenario is going on around you. But to be like submerged in that, like, I would forget that I'm an actor. I'd be like, this is it. I'm real. I'm yeah. a Jedi. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much more time on this because I really want you guys to go watch this yourself Um, because, you know, all of these segments are are awesome and you really appreciate the time, effort, and and work that goes into making the film so much more. Like, honestly, I just wanted to go watch the film again after I was done watching all the stuff, you know? I agree because I haven't even sat down to watch it, you know, since I've gotten it. I just dove right into this because I knew we needed to record, but... It did. It made me so much more excited to watch it and to the the practical effects too. To get to see how they were all done and how dedicated they were to having practical effects. Like I don't think people really realize like how much of this film was yeah. practical. Um, yeah. I think people are under the impression just because of how technology has advanced these days that everything's CGI and and it's really cool. The engineering and ingenuity that went into almost every single scene it's crazy yeah like even the little aki aki children right they built that like they dug a trench and then they like went down in there and had a bunch of people down there puppeteering you know the kids yep and um babu frick Babu Frick, like, the face of Babu Frick, all the animatronics (laughs) and everything, and the people puppeteering him, like, it was awesome. Yeah, he's probably one of my new favorites, but I just loved the guy talking about how he was building that tiny little face, and he was (laughs) like, I just, like, I knew that it could be CGI, but, like, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could not, Mm -hmm. like, I could just do it, you know? Like, they were just that, like into building these cool little critters yeah super amazing and think about that like you know you could make it cgi but you did it you made babu frick this animatronic like practical effect that like so many people love now and i thought it was interesting that shirley henderson the voice of babu frick um was actually there operating babu you know that's not something that is happens ever 
no, that was super cool to see. I don't know. These, they're like, they're inventors. Every single one of them are inventors because so yeah. much of this stuff has never been done before. There's a lot that they used from the originals, but they had to invent so much more. Yeah. And it just ended up looking seamless. Yeah. Obviously, uh, it's, you know, going back to animatronics, Maz Kanata was, was um, animatronic this time. Yeah, um, that surprised me. Yeah. And all the scenes with, with Billy Lord and talking about Leia and, you know, yeah. that stuff was really powerful. Mm-hmm. That brought me to tears on multiple occasions. Yeah. <laughs> all the Leia. Yeah. The daughter, the granddaughter of Alec Guinness was in this one, too. That was exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah, cool. no. I, I feel like they did, they've had, I mean, there's always so much thought put into everything they do, but I feel like because it was the final one and they're wrapping up nine movies, they, like, took the extra mile beyond what they already do to, to you know, come up with these amazing, beautiful, thoughtful stories. They, like, took the extra mile to put all these really important um, people to Star Wars in and, you know, yeah. giving John Williams a part, like, mm-hmm. and, and not only giving him a part, but his entire set was completely based off of his entire career, which that was one of the cooler segments to watch in this too. You have to go see that. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, they just, they did so much more on top of what is generally expected from any movie to make this one excuse me, to make this one extra special, which was really cool to see. Because you might not necessarily ever notice so much of this stuff if you don't watch these behind the scenes. Yeah. And it gives you a real good glimpse into the mind of J.J. Abrams and looking at kind of where his inspiration comes from and, um, you know, the the, the time that they spend going back to even um, Kef Beer, like when you want to have the Death Star... In, you know, water, they took the actual, like, you know, dimensions of how big the Death Star should be. It was like a 90 mile radius or something like that. And they're like, no, that would be too big to fit here. Like, (laughs) you know, we can just have part of it. And like, it's awesome that the how much they try and make everything so connected and so real. Um, Right. Believable. It has to be believable. Yeah. So I would highly recommend going to watch the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, the, the main documentary is the Skywalker Legacy documentary, and that is two hours and seven minutes long. So it is a long documentary, and but there's some great stuff. You see footage of Stuart Freeborn talking about Yoda. You see footage of mm-hmm. Ralph McQuarrie with his original concepts. You know, this is gold material. I mean, this stuff yeah. is amazing young mark hamill like a ton of interviews with with him carrie like it's yeah it's really really well put together just tons and tons of footage that they just took all the most special moments and saved them and and gave them to us yep and i know a lot of people were upset that we didn't get deleted scenes but you know i mean that's something that i feel like a lot of people wanted and that's something that we'll probably get at some point in the future um, you know, here's a collector's edition of the Rise of Skywalker and, you know, another year and a half with yeah. a buttload of extra features and crap. Um, cause they do that. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's been released already. I guess I don't know for sure. The novelization of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, usually the deleted scenes are written out in those. Yeah. At least that's how I know it was for, um, 
The Last Jedi. So I would assume if you're looking for deleted scenes that you could probably read what they're going to be in the novelization. Yeah. Um, Definitely go check that out if you enjoy the process of filmmaking and appreciate Star Wars because I guarantee you, you'll appreciate it even more after you watch it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 165 of Twin Suns Transmission. Uh, We will be back again talking more about Clone Wars and other things that are coming up as far as Star Wars news. Um, I know we've got Book Club. We're doing Queen's Shadow for the month of April, so hopefully you guys are all uh, participating uh, with us with that. It's our first week, uh, so we'll have discussion questions up uh, within the next day or so. Um, and we got a little bit more information, Jesse, I don't know if you saw the post, uh, a couple days ago, the, um, High Republic showed us some of the Jedi that are going to be included in, uh, some of these books with names and brief descriptions and stuff, um, which is pretty cool. So lots of cool Star Wars stuff coming up. Um, Jesse, before we go, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Suns Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsunsoutpost.com. Click on our podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review where you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to us. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the force be with you always. Rendezvous point on Halloween. You're starting to imagine to me, I think.